Test. Ah, there we go. There's no doubt that moms are a huge part of our lives, that we're very grateful and we're shaped for by them. And uh, they have had a huge impact on our lives, and that's why we celebrate them. They are actually God's design. A mom is God's design for the strengthening of the family. And talking about strengthening the family, I'm just going to give you a little hint that next week we are going to share with you two faith steps that we as a church we as elders believe we should be taking as a church and they have a lot to do with what you've seen on the screen and the development of our family so next week we'll be doing that in the service just keep your just give you a little bit of a taste of what might be coming so you'll be watching out for it uh two faith steps so the second big set of news i have for you crystal and i are expecting we are expecting yeah why are you laughing we are expecting a grandchild yes a grandchild and so uh yeah thank goodness uh it's not our child i think i'm ready to go through that again uh, but our second son, now we have three grandchildren and with our oldest son out west in BC, but uh, this one is with our second son, his wife Kendall, and uh, she's due in June, and I'm so excited. I've gotten so much joy out of my grandchildren in BC. I'm really looking forward to having a little guy here nearby that can be a part of our lives. And so uh, this will be the fourth grandchild. And I, it's caused me to start thinking because he's going to be around, I'm going to be around him more. Uh, I start thinking about, oh, you know, what was it like being a parent? And uh, I, you know, I have to remember back to that. Uh, we raised three boys. It was probably the greatest responsibility I have. I should say we are raising three boys because you never stop being a parent. You, it changes. They're on their own. They're making their own decisions and everything. But, but you're still a parent. You still care. You still hurt. You still long for uh, the good things in their lives. And so I got thinking, what, what are the factors that were part of, of teaching and raising our boys uh, to become adults and hopefully followers of Jesus Christ when they become adults. You know, there's a lot of different factors, but there is one that stands out in my mind, one that I believe is the essential for raising a family, especially a family that you want to honor God. And so my mind was drawn to this story. Now, it's going to seem a little weird, but stick with me on this story, and you'll see why my mind went here. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus left that place, and he went to the vicinity of Tyre, which is a city that is not part of Israel, but is north of Israel. And he entered a house, and he didn't want anyone to know it. He's there on the sly. Yet he couldn't keep his presence secret. People be talking about him all the time. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit. And just stop. Imagine your child is possessed by an impure spirit. And there's nothing you can do to change it, to stop it, or to solve it. So she hears about Jesus, and she comes and she falls at his feet. And the woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia, and she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. 
Well, first let the children eat all they want, he told her, which is a strange response in Jesus' part, don't you think? Oh, take the demon out of my daughter. Now let the, let the kids, let the children eat all they want. Huh? For it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. In case you missed it there, he just called her a dog. Which doesn't really align with how we see Jesus dealing with people usually. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home, found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Now you could think this is a bit of a strange passage to be speaking about in Mother's Day, and I would agree you, except there are two things about it that I think kind of apply to the reality of being a parent, and in particular a mother, in the world in which we live. One is, is that there are things that come into our children's lives that we cannot stop, we cannot change, and we cannot solve. If you've been a parent for any length of time, you will know that that happens. And secondly, what does the woman do? She simply runs to Jesus, falls at his feet, and begs for Jesus to do something. Now stop and think about uh, the things I, I did. I stopped and thought about what are the things that we face as parents or mother faces that that come into the lives of their children that you cannot stop, you cannot change, you cannot solve. I've had parents come to me asking me for help because their child was hearing voices and seeing demons or seeing things in their room. I mean, they didn't know what to do about that, but they wanted to protect their child. Some children face various serious health battles. Nothing we can do to stop, change, or solve them sometimes. Some have to deal with learning disabilities. Some have, are being bullied at school. Some are being, and wouldn't you like to go in and fix that problem? But that just causes a whole new set of problems that you'll need a lawyer for. Some are being cut from a team. I watched this happen. Some to a friend's child. Cut from a team while all their friends made it. And they were left out. Some have a teacher that doesn't understand nor like your child. Some kids have made bad choices about friends and they're getting into things that are damaging them. Some are getting into drugs. Some are facing the pressure of sexual activity. Some are wandering and unsure of what to do with their lives. Some are struggling to find work. Some are looking for a good spouse but they can't find anybody. Some are looking for a good friend but can't find anyone. Some are in serious financial debt. That's typically not a three-year-old, but it is a child. Some have been deeply wounded by abuse or by betrayal. Some are struggling with raising their own kids, and some have walked away from the faith. I think we could say that today, as moms, as parents, we face situations in our children's lives that we cannot stop, we cannot change, we cannot solve. And so in the story, in fact, as soon as this woman ha who has a problem with her child, she can't stop, change, or solve, as soon as she hears about Jesus, 
her little daughter, who's possessed by an impure spirit, she comes and she fell at his feet and she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Now, it's so simple. It's not complex. I'm not giving you this hidden secret of parenthood that you're like, oh, nobody ever said that before to me. To come and beg of Jesus on behalf of our children is to me the most important factor of parenting. Because there are so many things that you cannot stop, change, or solve. At least it was that way in our family. Of time out. For some of you, you've come here this morning, you're facing something in your family, you can't stop, change, or solve. And this is a reminder for you. And you're going, yeah, what? Why don't I turn to God? Why, why haven't I been there? I, I don't mean that, you know, throwing up the drive-by prayer. Yeah, Jesus, help, you know, help my son, help my daughter, help this. I don't mean those kinds of prayers. I mean where you regularly are interceding for your child until God works. I mean that kind of prayer. One of the dangers of reading scripture like this is we think, we, we, we never say it, but we think that this all happened within a day. But how long, we're not told, but how long was it that this daughter of hers was possessed by a demon? How long did she live with that? How long? We don't know. But I'm going to tell you, it wasn't likely a day or a week or a month. I'm thinking it was probably years. Because one thing I know about Scripture is once a demon has access, they don't give it up. And so she has lived with this problem until she goes to Jesus. And sometimes I find this, I don't know if you find this, but I will live with a problem and not really think about bringing it to Jesus. Even though I follow Jesus, even though I pray, it's like, I haven't really dealt with this on my knees. I haven't really come. Why is that? One, uh, I guess, part, sometimes it's because I, I, I don't know. I just never thought of it. And sometimes, I'm, you know, maybe I have a little bit of anger that God would let this happen. And for some of you here, you have a problem that you can't stop, change, or solve in the life of your child. This is your reminder today. Right, I need to be interceding. Not just drive-by prayers that flip out, I flip out every once in a while. It's I need to get serious about falling at the feet of Jesus and begging him to make a difference here. And I'm staying there. I'm going to keep that practice every day until there is a change. So that's your encouragement for the day. But there's some of you here going, yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard this before. I've even tried it. But it just doesn't work. Now, I have thought that. I have thought that in my life, where I have called out to God on behalf of my child, and he didn't change what I was asking him to change. 
The demon wasn't delivered. It wasn't a demon, but the issue was never. In fact, it got worse. So I've been sharing with you over the last five years the journey that we have been on as a family, as a couple, Crystal and I, with our oldest son who, is been, who has been fighting for the rights to have access into his daughter's life. And it was, a, it was a painful five years for him, but for us, too, as parents, because we, when he hurts, we hurt, and when he's struggling, we're struggling. And, and we know what it's like to, for the depth of pain in a family, and so we were feeling that, and we were praying. And we were praying for God to change this. We were praying for him to change things, change hearts, get the right judge. We were praying for everything. And I would say almost every prayer we prayed never got answered the way we thought it should be answered. Almost everyone. After about five years of this, I was starting to think this prayer thing just doesn't work. Why am I, wor- why am I talking and, and praying? And then through that time, uh, actually the last time that we went out, Crystal and I on our way back comment is like, you know, our son is a different person now. He's so patient and he's so kind and he's so, he has such a view on life that is mature for his age. And, and, and we, we were, we, sometimes we would get upset when we talk about this situation. He'd be like, Mom, Dad, calm down. God will work. He'll do what needs to be done. Like we're getting upset and he's calming us down. And we watch, I watch my granddaughter. She's opened up more. She's more attentive and loving uh, toward me and toward others and brothers. And all this change has taken place. And, and I realized that, that prayer is really not primarily about, that prayer is not a way for me to get what I want from God. Prayer is really primarily, first and foremost, a way for me to align up with what God wants in my life. That's what I learned from that five years. And that as I aligned with God, I began to see the good he was bringing out. But if he had answered my prayer to, to, for my son to escape from the pain that he was in, the things that we marveled at, we would never have seen. And I realized that prayer is not the process of me convincing God to give me what I want. Prayer is really the process of me getting on the same page with what God wants and then trusting him when I am wondering what in the world is happening and where this is going to go. And usually we don't last that long. Usually we quit. That's why we say, yeah, I've tried that. Well, I would say maybe you haven't. Yeah, maybe you've prayed, and maybe you've prayed with intentionality and seriousness, and you've begged God, but you quit too early. Because prayer is about us being aligned to what God wants in our life, not necessarily us getting what we want. Now, there are times when he gives us what we ask for, but there are also times when he doesn't and seems to do the opposite thing. And it's in those times as we trust him, if we continue to trust him, we see him providing things we never dreamed of. And see, I, I, I don't think, well, this comes out in the story. Let me just show you. 
So Jesus, she begs, cast out the demon. In verse 27, Jesus says, First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, the first time I read this story years ago, I was like, that just doesn't sound like the Jesus that I know. He seems so harsh. But I really couldn't understand. I knew there was something in the story, but I couldn't figure out what it was until later on. I asked the question, it was very unusual in this story that Mark, the writer, tells us that they're in Tyre, which is a non-Jewish city, and that this woman was a Greek, her ethnicity, she's a Greek, and where she was born in Syria, Phoenicia. And I thought to myself, why does he give that detail? Like, usually there's not that kind of detail about a person in a story. Never that kind of detail. Why in this case is that detail given? There must be a hint there. And then I got thinking about the area that, that he's describing was an area that was given to the worship of Baal, the false god Baal. And then I got thinking back to Revelation, or rather back, back to Genesis and Genesis chapter 11, when, when Genesis chapter 11 is the story of Babel, where the people rebel against God. What's going on in that story? The people, God says, I want you to go out into the world. I want you to fill the earth and bring the knowledge of God. And they're like, no, we're not doing that. We don't want to go out in the earth. We're going to stay right here, and we're going to create our own gods. And though you don't see it in the story, you have to go to Deuteronomy chapter 32 we find out what's going on God says fine it's like a Romans 1 experience okay if that's the sin you want then you can have it and instead of having me you don't want me to rule over you that's fine I won't be your king instead I will give you spiritual beings that will rule over you as nations and God steps back and gives them exactly what they asked for those spiritual beings the one responsible for this area, led them into the false worship of Baal. They denied God. They hated God. They didn't want anything to do with God. They created their own gods. And so now this woman who belongs to this false worship is coming to God to ask for help. And so Jesus raises the question and he says, why would I give to you the blessing of the people of God when you have rejected God? Well, that's a good question. And he uses a metaphor. No good parent takes the food that they need to feed their children and gives it to the dogs. So why would I give you what belongs to the children? There is a firmness and a strength to Jesus that you don't want to toy with. He will hold you accountable and give you the decisions that you make. And just as none of you as parents would give money to your kid to go out and buy drugs, Jesus is not going to give blessing to people who deny him so that they can continue on in their unbelief and destruction. The pain in life is actually meant to turn her to Jesus, 
Jesus, all, the whole time Jesus intends to reach this woman, how do I know that? Well, number one, he came to earth for that was his purpose. I came to seek and save that was lost. Well, here's a lost woman. He's come to seek and save that's lost. And by the way, what's he doing entire if he has no interest in this woman or these people? She needs to understand where she stands before God. God will never give us blessings so we can continue on in our unbelief. I'm living my life, just going my own way, don't really care, don't think much about God, don't really go, oh, problem I can't solve, I can't change, oh, and I'm living with it, I can't deal, oh, Jesus, help me, oh, he helped me, okay, see you later, I'll talk to you next time, I got a problem. And I'm worked that way. Jesus says, Either you've pledged your life and you're following me or you're not. And I won't bless you so you can maintain a life of disobedience. Ultimately, that is an act of love because to allow a person to continue down a path away from God where they will eventually face the judgment of God in eternity in hell, that isn't love. To say, oh yeah, on your way. I think that's what's going on here. It's the response of the woman that gains the heart of Jesus. She says, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he says, for such a reply, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. For such, what was it about her reply that turned the heart of Jesus? She, <laughs> She doesn't argue that she's a good person. She deserves it. That she's tried hard. That if you, God, were any kind of God, if you were loving in any way, you would listen to my prayer. She doesn't try to manipulate God. Her prayer, her response, reminds me of the response. I don't know if you remember the story of the two men that came to the temple to pray. Jesus tells the story. Two men came to the temple to pray, and one prayed. He was a religious leader. God, look what I've done for you. Look at all that I've done for you. Look how I've tied. Look how I serve. Look at how I've lived. And, and then the other one stood back far, a tax collector, head bowed, and said, uh, God, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me. That was his entire prayer. And Jesus said the first prayer meant nothing to God. That prayer, that was the prayer. The humility, the heart of humility before God is what caught God's heart. Maybe that's why some of our prayers go unanswered. Our prayers are more about us than God, more demanding than submission, more self-centered than God-honoring. Hmm. And even this woman who belonged to a people that had rejected God and rebelled against God and wanted nothing to do with God, even this woman whose heart was humble received the blessing of God because her heart turned toward God. So, as I was thinking about expecting <laughs> a child, a grandchild who lived nearby, 
and I reviewed and was thinking about our own journey in raising children, I thought, prayer not only has it been, it has never stopped being. In fact, I would say Crystal and I pray more for our children now than we ever have. Prayer and aligning ourselves with what God is doing, trusting him and laying our needs before him with a humble heart, that has been the greatest factor of raising our children. I don't mean they're perfect. I don't mean we're perfect. You only have to be in our house for a short period of time and you will understand that. Just like if I came to your house and I would realize it. But what a heart of prayer does is invites God in to change you, mom, you, dad, and your child in God's timing, in God's way. And you can trust him. Doesn't usually do it quickly. My experience has been that when I pray, it usually takes time for God to work out because <laughs> the issue I'm praying about is meant to change me. So it usually takes time for that change to happen. Sometimes they're quick. More often, it's a process. The things that we can't stop, we can't change, we can't solve are meant to change us in the hands of God. So it takes time. Do you have the heart of submission to give God that time? Do you have the heart of humility to come before God and say, just here's my need, God, whatever you want to do, I'm going to trust you. That's the heart of a praying mom and a praying dad. I would also say one more thing. The problem of the woman uh, being in rebellion against God, um, that's a universal problem. It's not just the people north of Israel at that time. Romans tells us that every one of us suffers from a heart that has been broken by sin, our sin, sin we freely choose to do. And then that sin separates us from God. And that the only way a person can be made right with God is for them to trust God and turn from their sin. In other words, to admit their sin and believe in Jesus and his death and res resurrection is the only payment that can fully pay for our sin. And then choose to pledge your life to Jesus. And when God hears that kind of prayer, God, I, I admit I'm a sinner and I believe Jesus died when God hears that in your heart and you choose to pledge your life to follow him, make him the king of your life, well, then he acts with mercy and grace. And so I'm going to challenge some of you here. Number one, those of you who are moms or dads, really. If your child or family is going through an issue that you cannot change or solve or stop in any way, I challenge you to make this an issue of daily prayer where you call on God until something happens. And that until may mean years. The second thing I'd say to you, if you're sitting here and you have never submitted your heart, had that humility to say, you know what, I'm broken before God and I need God. I need the forgiveness of my sins and I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I'm gonna admit my sin confess it to him. I'm going to believe that Jesus died on the cross and I'm going to 
pledge my life to follow him as my savior, then my challenge for you is that is the decision you need to make before God. And what I would say if you make either one of those decisions, tell somebody about the decision you made. It creates accountability, but it also firms up in the decision in your own heart and brings people around you that can help you. Let me pray over you. Uh, this, this morning, God, we celebrate moms, but the truth of the matter is moms or dads, we're just not sufficient. We don't have the answers for every problem and everything that we face. There are things that we can't stop, we can't change, we can't solve, and they often cause deep harm and hurt in the lives of our children and in us as parents. And so we pray that you would teach us how to pray with an open and a humble heart and to seek you from the heart. God, we pray for those who have not entered into relationship with you. They don't know what it means to have you as the king of their life, that you would bring an understanding of the decision they need to make to choose to make Jesus the Lord of their life, the king who they follow. I thank you for the moms that are sitting here, for the heart of sacrifice, the heart of love, the heart of giving that they have. And God, I couldn't help but say thank you for all the chocolate chip cookies that are being made out there. Amen.